Welcome to Puritan's Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 19 of A New Year's Gift by John Shower. In whom, or what, shall I rejoice but in thee, O Lord? Shall I solace myself in transitory goods that slip between my fingers and perish in the using? Or relish carnal joys which pollute and debase the soul? When I may and ought to rejoice in thee at all times as the only source of perfect everlasting joy. Let me then stir up my drooping, desponding, unbelieving heart to rejoice in God, who takes pleasure in the cheerful service and obedience of his children, who delighteth in those who delight in him. Is not... Delighting in God, a most essential, vital part of religion? Should it not be my constant frame? Hath not God sufficiently provided that it may be so? Can I say and believe that God is the portion of my soul, that he is my God, and I hope to live with him forever, and not rejoice? Or can I consider the grace of the new covenant? the matchless love of Christ, and the precious promises of the gospel, and not see reason to rejoice? Yea, doth my soul love God, and endeavor to please him, and is not the very act and exercise of holy love mixed with unspeakable sweetness? Whom is there, in heaven or in earth, or hell, that I ought to fear but thee? Who has the negative voice in all the designs of men and devils? And hook in their nostrils, a bridle in their mouths to make them fulfill thy pleasure, and in everything accomplish thy sovereign decree. Is there any other in whom I may repose my trust, but in thee, O Lord, the rock of ages? The might of thy power, the unsearchableness of thy wisdom, the righteousness of thy nature, the stability of thy truth, the riches of thy grace, and the immutability of thy promises are a sure foundation for my soul to trust to and rely upon. Thy word stands firm forever, and the truth of thine ability and readiness to help in every time of need endures the same throughout all generations. At all times and in all places, my soul may trust in thee, and find relief. And they who know thy name will do so, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting kindness and strength. To answer all my doubts, to supply all my wants, and fulfill all my desires, may not God take it unkindly that I trust him no more? And is it not a criminal unkindness that I give him not the glory of all these excellent attributes, which are the grounds of trust? by a constant, steady, entire dependence on him for all that I need? I have none in heaven but thee, O Lord, as the object of my invocation and worship. Let other Christians have recourse to new mediators and call upon other gods. I will make mention of thy name and of thy righteousness only. And ask of thee whatsoever I need for the sake of thy Christ, my only adorable mediator. Him thou hearest always. With him thou art always well pleased. 
I honor the holy angels as glorious attendants above thy throne and bless thee for them as ministering spirits for the good of thy servants. But I dare not invoke or worship because they are fellow servants. On the same account, I honor the memory of departed saints, but neither invoke them or pay them religious worship. That glory thou wilt not give unto another. I have no precept in Holy Scripture to direct, no promise to encourage, no example to authorize the invocation of any other but thee, in whom I believe and trust. Romans ten fourteen. Having such a God in heaven, what can I need on earth? His eyes behold me. His wing is over me. His hand can supply me. His grace provide for me. I can want nothing that is good, unless I should need somewhat which God, the infinitely blessed and all-sufficient good, cannot bestow. If thou art the portion of my soul, all my enemies cannot make me miserable, unless they can void heaven of the presence of God, hinder his care, bind up his hand, or obstruct his love. But though my enemies cannot, I fear my sins may, they alone can separate between God and my soul. And considering the multitude and aggravations of them, and thine unspotted holiness and justice, I should have too much reason to fear and tremble, yea, and utterly despair, if I had none in heaven but thee. But thy word assures me that I have a mediator there, a faithful and compassionate high priest, Jesus Christ the righteous, whom thou hast exalted to be a prince and a savior, to give repentance and remission of sins, who liveth forever in heaven, to make intercession till he hath brought me there to behold his glory and partake of it. That glory, O Lord, thou hast reserved for heaven. In this world we only desire, believe, and hope to enjoy it. Whom have I in heaven? That is the place of fruition. What can I desire upon earth? This world is the place of desires as the other of full enjoyment. Most of that which men call enjoyment in this life consists but in desire. Desire, or lust, is all that is in the wicked world. 1 John 2, C13. The riches of a covetous worldling make him desire more. And the great mystery of intemperance is to create and increase desires. And desires of another kind are the portion of good men in this world. Oh, that I could breathe after a state of perfect fruition in heaven with more importunate desires. Who will give me to be in heaven with thee? On earth I desire nothing. So, one version, let me, O oh my soul, think of heaven as such a place or state of blessed enjoyment. Speak of it, seek it, long for it, prepare for it as such. And let Jesus Christ, who is the desire of all nations, through whom all divine communications are made to fallen sinners, 
be the great object of my present desires and love. Let me desire nothing but as in him and for him, that believing his word, obeying his law, adoring his person, imitating his example, trusting his promise, constrained by his love, partaking of his image, filled with his grace, and comforted by his spirit, my meditations of him may be sweeter and my love stronger, and I may have nothing more left to desire for myself, but that God, who hath raised and exalted him, would keep alive my faith and hope and holy desires, till he hath made me meet to be with him. And after having guided me by his grace and spirit and counsels here on earth, would receive me to his most blessed and glorious presence in heaven. Amen. Amen. Section 22. The glorious appearance of Christ to judgment considered as certain. The terror and astonishment, confusion and despair of wicked Jews and Christians to behold their judge and hear his condemning sentence to everlasting destruction. When our blessed Savior shall appear to judge the world, I read that it shall be in his own glory, the glory of his Father and of the holy angels. If by the glory of the Father he meant that of the divinity, as the original and author of all things in nature, as the almighty creator of the world and by the glory of his holy angels, he understood that of the legal administration, the law being given by the disposition of angels and by his own glory, that of the gospel, as he is the Messiah, that in the glory of all these he shall come to judgment. We have a summary account of the three different revelations which God hath made of himself to mankind by the light of nature, that of the law, and the more manifest one of the gospel, according to which every man is to be judged at the last day. Though we cannot distinctly tell what or how great our Lord's glory will then be, we may be certain it will be suitable to the dignity of his royal person, suitable to the grandeur of his father's majesty, with the splendor of a triumphant prince, who is heir of all things, and hath all power in heaven and in earth committed to him, the great Lord of both worlds, head of angels and men, and suitable to his glorious office as mediator and the appointed judge of quick and dead. If, at his transfiguration, his face shone and his raiment was white and glittering, how much more splendid will his last appearance be? When the bodies of his saints shall be seven times brighter than the luster of the sun, and if his members shall then be so glorious, how transcendently more so will their head, their Lord, appear if the delivery and promulgation of the law on Mount Sinai was accompanied with such circumstances of terrible majesty, 
How much more may we suppose the great assize will be attended with? When he comes to judge for the violation of the law and the contempt of the gospel, and if even Moses did then exceedingly quake and fear, what will be the consternation and trembling of the wicked world at the coming of Christ? When he shall be revealed from heaven in flaming fire, with a glorious retinue of his mighty angels, as so many bright stars about the more glorious sun of righteousness, the lights of heaven shall be eclipsed, the visible sun shall veil its blushing head as infinitely outshone, the present glory of the creation be all benighted by reason of his transcendent brightness. Yea, the heavens shall be wrapped up as a scroll, the elements melt away with a mighty noise, the earth and all its works be burnt up, and the whole universe as one great bonfire to adorn the triumph of our Lord's appearance, and thus ushered in by the voice of an archangel, proclaiming his approach, and the voice of God supplying the use of a trumpet to raise the dead and possess mankind with an awful reverence of their judge. This concludes episode 19 of A New Year's Gift by John Shower. <laughs>